Welcome to Once Upon a Dystopia, where we read dystopian novels, find all the bleak and gritty details of the world, then I put my take on the hardships and issues the main character has to deal with. After that, I play a game called What If I Lived in This World and advise a plan on how I'd live and survive in the world. Lastly, I list out skills you can use, books you should read, and tools or things you should have in order to help you all to survive if somehow the book's plot becomes a little too real. Major spoilers ahead. This week is slightly different as the main characters of today's books don't face many of the same degree of hardships as the past books we have discussed so far. No one has to fight to survive in this book, so we will be focusing more on how this world is. So this might just be a cliff notes type of this book. So hope you enjoy quote unquote reading this book with me. The book is The Warehouse by Rob Hart. The description of this book reads, Cloud isn't just a place to work, it's a place to live. And when you're here, you'll never want to leave. Paxton never thought he'd be working for Cloud, the giant tech company that eaten most of the American economy, much less that he'd be moving into one of the company's sprawling live work facilities. But compared to what's left outside, Cloud's bland chain store life of gleaming entertainment halls, open plant offices, and vast warehouses, while well, it doesn't seem so bad. It's more than anyone else is offering. Zania never thought she'd be infiltrating Cloud, but now she's undercover inside the walls, risking it all to ferret out the company's darkened secrets. And Paxton, with his ordinary little hopes and fears, he just might make the perfect pawn, if she can bear to sacrifice him. As the truth about Cloud unfolds, Zania must gamble everything on a desperate scheme, one that risks both their lives, even as it forces Paxton to question everything about the world he so carefully assembled here. Together, they'll learn just how far the company will go to make the world a better place. This book is written in three point of views. You have Zania, which is a fake name. She's a spy, a female. She has a red shirt, which means she works on the warehouse floor. Paxton has a vendetta. He's a male. He worked as a prison guard before this. He now has a blue shirt, so he works security. And Mr. Wells, owner of the cloud. He has cancer, and his point of view is written as blog post. He's trekking around to the cloud warehouses before he dies. Cloud is basically Amazon, but to the extreme, where the workers live on a campus that includes their housing, the warehouse, some places to eat, and a few places to have fun. The world outside the cloud hub is bad, Climate change has wreaked havoc on the world, and the cloud has put out most of the businesses in the world, especially after a Black Friday incident left people very afraid to go out to shop. The company has a pretty hard hiring process. First, you need to take a bus to a nearby town, then walk in the extreme heat to get to the doors of the campus. Last one there is automatically turned away. They can reapply in a month, though. Then, each applicant has to pull some hair from their heads and place it in a bag where they write their name and social security number on it to be drug tested. They move on to a test that asks you questions about your background, job history, then the usual, if you saw someone stealing, would you tell on them or confront them or whatever. Once their test comes back as passing, they move on and watch a video that breaks down the company more. In this video, they explain some of the shirts. You have the red shirts, who are the packers and pickers on the warehouse floor. Yellow shirts, who are the support staff working in cubicles. Green shirts, who work in the kitchen areas of the campus. Brown shirts, who work tech. White shirts, who are the managers. And then there are other colors that are brought up outside of the video later on, which is purple for the teachers because the employees' kids live on campus. 
orange are those who work the drone field on top of the campus, blue for security, and a random pink later on. I'm sorry for any random noises you hear. My dogs are very antsy because it's been raining here a lot. So the, you might hear the click clack of their claws or just recently my one dog dropping her heavy plastic toy on the floor. So I apologize. The campus has three housing domes, oak, sequoia, and maple. Each employee gets a room on their first day. The rooms do not have bathrooms. They have to walk to a shared bathroom. And there are three bathrooms, men, women's, and gender neutral. Our main character's room has a kitchen area that is just a microwave, sink, hot plate, mini fridge, and one countertop. There is a shallow closet and a fold-out futon that turns into the bed with drawers for storage underneath. A TV is mounted on the wall with a coffee table underneath that the book states is barely deep enough for a cup of coffee. It literally sounds like a fancy jail cell. Once in their rooms, they're instructed to turn their TV on in a video play with some messages. And I'm sorry, but prepare for an information dump on Cloud. Cloud is 100% paperless. This includes money and paperwork. As shown later on, Zania has to do her retirement sign up and she does it through the TV. There's just no paper. So your Cloud Band, which is a fancy watch they give you when you're um, hired, which features the latest in near-field communication technology is coded to you and you alone. It will only work when the class is done and is in contact with your skin. So we recommend you only take it off for charging at night. Your watch can be used for all transactions at Mother Cloud. One credit is roughly equivalent to one US dollar, subject to a small conversion fee of a few fractions of a cent. Because of the American Worker Housing Act and the Paperless Currency Act, you do not earn minimum wage but you get that money back in a variety of ways. Through generous housing and healthcare plans and through unlimited use of our company's transit system, as well as our matching retirement fund. Taxes, along with modest housing, health, and transit fees will be removed for you from your check. Your account balance starts at zero, but you can use your current banking information to transfer money for a small processing fee. We also offer temporary relief for those who don't have any cash to help them get started on a credit basis. You should also be aware that due to the Worker Responsibility Act, you can be docked paid for the following offenses. One, damage to cloud property. Two, arriving to work late more than twice. Three, not meeting monthly quotas as set by a manager. Four, personal health care negligence. Five, going over your allotment of sick days. Six, losing or breaking your watch. Seven, disorderly conduct. In addition, you can receive additional credits for the following. Meeting your monthly quotas for three months or more, using no sick days for six months or more, receiving a health checkup every six months, and receiving a tea cleaning once a year. Your pay is automatically increased by 0.05 credits for every week you maintain a five-star rating. The rating must be retained for the entire week for the raise to take effect. Any credits earned once you're in a deficit will go towards paying interest. See online banking portal for current rates and then the principal. You also, you're also welcome to join our pension retirement program in which, after a certain number of years, you will be eligible for a reduced 20-hour work week as well as subsidized housing and a 20% discount on anything purchased from the cloud store. Due to the sensitive personal information stored on each cloud band, an alarm will sound both audibly and in the cloud security system if it is off for too long or if someone else is wearing your band. 
charge it at night. Other than that, don't take it off because it provides health tracking data, opens doors, registers rating, delivers job assignments, processes transactions, and how you use the elevator. Okay, so whoa information, right? Okay, so the cloud bands are hardcore trackers. Zania tests out the do not leave the room without it rule, and within minutes, someone in a blue shirt shows up telling her she needs to have her band on. The only time Zania has figured out where you can get away with not scanning your band is in the elevators. When it's busy, as long as someone else has already scanned your floor, you do not need to scan your band. The campus itself is laid out more or less like a micro town. I tried to find a map of it online and the author even has said in an interview that he has a drawn map, but I couldn't find it. It does seem like the header picture on his website might be the map, but it's not a full image and I can't read any of the writing on it to be sure. Here is what is in the cloud town. The three dorms, as mentioned, a school, a bank, a care center, which is a hospital, some restaurants, a bar, a retro arcade, a movie theater, a nail salon, a massage parlor, a candy store, a VR room, and a casino. There is also a rental car place somewhere on site as well as the main characters rent a car and leave for a day trip at some point. A big thing that the cloud company is proud of is that they state that the wind and solar farms on site create enough energy to power the whole campus so there is no need to pull from outside sources. They also do waste management on the site as well. The people who hired Zania to check out the company claims that there is no way that statement is true. Based on satellite photos of the farms and the population of the campus, they assumed it would take 50 megawatts per hour to operate, and the farms on site can only produce 15, maybe 20 megawatts. Therefore, Zania is charged with figuring out if they are using another source of power, or maybe the photos are wrong. Why would anyone care that the company is lying about that? Well, there is a government mandate benchmark applied to energy in order to receive a tax break. So if Cloud is lying, they are getting tax breaks that they aren't entitled to. Before Zania can start figuring out anything though, she has to go to work. She's a picker on the warehouse floor. Her watch gives her directions by vibrating and displaying an error on its face. Her shift is nine hours long with two 15 minute breaks for the bathroom plus a half hour break for lunch. Problem is, though, that it took her seven minutes to find a bathroom for her first break, and her trainer says that sometimes it could take you 20 minutes to reach the break room for lunch. He suggests buying some protein bars in the shop and eat those instead of leaving for a break. Her pay rate per hour is nine credits. Remember, they don't have real money. She transfers $1,000 to her credit account and now only has $994.55 cents. As remember, they take a small fee, so nine credits isn't nine dollars an hour in this world. Paxton, our other main character, is also going to work as a security guard, though he wanted a red shirt as he didn't thrive while being a prison guard. He goes through some training where they tell him, now you may be asking, can I make a rest? And the answer is, not really. What you can do is detain. You got yourself a perp, maybe someone stole something, started a fight, whatever. You bring him over to holding an admin. The Safety and Security Act mandates 10 officers from the local jurisdiction must be in the office at all times in order to address criminal matters. You get caught stealing, you earn enough strikes to get turfed, you are not welcome at a single cloud affiliated company in these United States or even on the rest of God's green planet. Baxton soon finds out that the main reason they want home security is because of his pr prison background because cloud has a drug problem with a drug called Oblivion, okay? It's a modified form of heroin that's not physically addictive. 
See, the reason heroin is so heinous is it rewires your brain. It makes it so your body can't function without it. That's why withdrawal is so hard. Oblivion is the same high, but without the hook. It's psychologically addicting, same way anything feels good, so you want to do it again. But people OD, but just not as many. They want packs in to find the source, figure out how it's getting in, and the main reason they're wanting to deal with it is because people are ODing on the floor and they don't want to deal with dead employees. Paxson does some walks of the building, mainly just wandering around for a few days. He tries to get out of finding the drug stuff because he just wants to go on the floor and work. But later the security gets mad at him and puts him on metal detector duty for a while. While they're working, you get some more blog entries from Mr. Wells where he further explains how bad of a human he is, like stating... Environmental impact studies, business records, the local department of buildings, the way it used to be, in order to build a place like this, you needed to file endless rings of paperwork. But thanks to something called the Red Tape Elimination Act, sponsored by Gibson Wells, him, large corporations were excused for having to file all that because it was an impediment to creating jobs. He talks about his five-star employee rating system where anyone should strive to be five stars. If you drive to one star, you're automatically fired. Plus, a fun cut day where low-rating employees are fired, too. Remember, though, these people live on campus, so when they're fired, they lose their homes as well. And I doubt any credits they have inside the building transfer out to their previous bank accounts or new bank accounts. So conflicting information there, though, because he states that he doesn't have to do the environmental things anymore because he went and talked to you know Congress or whatever and got rid of that. Then he has the solar and wind farms at his warehouses to get the tax breaks it, was, it doesn't make sense it wouldn't make sense to me as a normal citizen or even as a governmental person thinking like why are you putting wind farms in but not doing environmental studies like you're not helping you're not canceling one out meanwhile Paxson and Zania keep working they notice a lot of things are broken or out of order on campus trigger warning for a sexual assault for this next part Remember, they have to go to a bathroom in the hall for showers and bathroom things. Zania goes to take a shower, finds an out-of-order sign on the women's bathroom, so heads into the gender-neutral bathroom showers, which she has to swipe her watch to start the shower, only giving her five minutes of shower. She can pay to get more time, and then as she leaves a stall in just a towel, she encounters a man in the bathroom. She tries to leave the bathroom, but he blocks her. The man is a manager and wants her to dry off and get dressed in front of him. Zinnia thinks about beating him up, but she thinks about how her watch is tracking her and doesn't want to get in trouble for fighting the guy. So she does dry off and get dressed in front of him. He leaves, and when Zinnia leaves, she discovers that the out-of-order sign was now on the gender-mutual bathroom. The guy moved it. I personally have never been in a place where you have to go outside your room to shower, besides like other people's houses, but I've never been in a dorm or hostel situation, so I'm not sure how I go about this issue. Knowing I'm there for another thing and I'm not just working in the warehouse like Zania is, I probably do the same as Zania and just deal with it. If I was just there working and not under some secret undercover mission, I'd probably be kicking that guy in the nuts and getting out of there. Cut day happens, and Xenia witnesses an elderly man who was cut, and everyone's super sad about it. And Paxson is working that day and encounters a few jumpers, people who jump in front of the trams to kill themselves once they find out they've been cut. Xenia has outsmarted the manager from the bathroom, though, by cutting a hole in the ceiling, crawling over to the bathroom and waiting for the showers to be empty, and then drops in and takes a shower. Paxton, meanwhile, continues to work on finding the drugs. 
They find out from the tech department that even though the watches have tracking, they can be off by up to 20 feet and they jump around sometimes. And if you're in a big crowd, you can disappear. A hacker has hacked into the watches as well a day before and they now plan on doing a big software update to fi fix the weakness in the tracking issue. Up to this point, Zania has been trying to get into the system. She finally gets her gopher, which is just a little USB thing that once plugged into a computer would sample the code, then decrypt and process it later on Zania's laptop. She finally figures out a blind spot on the camera on a cloud kiosk, uh, shapes a pen cap to fit the lock on the access panel fan on said kiosk, and while everyone was distracted by a jumper on cut day, she plugs it in, gets the code, and takes it back to her place, and her laptop takes a couple of days to figure out the code. Luckily, the next day after she has that done, it's time for the software update for the watches to fix the issues. While the watches are down, everyone has to be in the rooms as the trams won't work and all the doors are unlocked as if it, because it's a fire issue, since you can't swipe the watch to open it. And if anyone is found outside the rooms during the update, they get a full star taken off their rating. Xenia is going to take this opportunity to plug her gopher back in. Only issue is just plug into an actual computer this time and not just the kiosk. While she's on this high of finally figuring out how to get her job done so she can get paid and leave cloud, she runs into the manager in the bathroom again. Another girl is exiting as she enters, which fuels her anger towards him. She pretends to be really into giving him a special show and gets close enough to him for her to slam her elbow hard into his eye socket and falls down hitting his head on the bench as she goes down. She grabs him by his throat and tells him to knock off the sign switching and he agrees. She leaves the bathroom and goes into the women's to help the girl who just came out of the one the manager was in. Good job, Zania. Again, I'm not sure how I react to this issue if it was me, mainly because doing the job would be the only thing on my mind for most of the part. And I wouldn't want to risk getting caught, especially after she just found out about the software update and pretty much has a plan all figured out and just needs to get it done. Too risky to beat this scumbag up, at least not right now. And it's a good thing to note right now that the woman who he was bothering before she went in there is someone who wears a brown shirt, which is a tech department. So that comes in later. Zania plans on just calling out sick on the day of the software update, but finds out that unless you're seriously injured, they won't let you go to the care hospital place and your rating will be affected. So she needs a better plan or a worse injury. So that's what she plans to do. She goes to work like normal. One hour before the software update, her watch tells her to go back to her room. But instead, she climbs up to the top of the shelving unit, which I would assume is like maybe 12 feet up in the air, and pushes herself off on it to land right on her shoulder, dislocating it. I could not do this. Granted, I've only seen someone messing with dislocated shoulders in movies, but it looks very painful. <laughs> I don't want to go through that. So no, I'm not doing this. Or if I did have to do this, I would be crying and asking them to carry me to the care tram instead of just walking there like Zania does. When she gets to the tram though, the person in the tram just resets her shoulder and tells her to go back to her room. She refuses to go back and he gives up and takes her to care. He also um, gives her a dose of the oblivion to like ease her pain, but she just pockets it. Meanwhile, Paxson is in his spot to watch over while the upgrade update goes down. But someone shares in their group text that Zania is heading to care, so he leaves to go check on her. Zania finally gets into care and gets a bed, and no joke, military crawls under the beds in the room to get out to find a computer. 
As she walks down the hallway, she passes a nurse and a patient curled up on the bed. She distracts the nurse, making her go back to the room Zena just left, and Zania shoves her gopher into the computer. It has to be plugged in for a whole minute to take effect. Zania started counting in her head, turns to go to the bathroom, and gets hit with something heavy against her head. Turns out the patient on the bed was the manager she beat up earlier. He takes his IV pole and goes to hit her again, but she kicks him in the nuts. He doubles over. She falls down in the little space they're in. Before she can fully get back up, he got his bearings back and kicks her in the jaw. She rolls away and grabs a bedpan and hurls it at his head. Hits him and knocks him off his feet. As he is getting back up, she charges at him and knees him in the face. He falls down again. Zania looks around for something to restrain him. He gets back up and this time has a stool the nurse was sitting on in his hands. He gets, he goes to hit her with it and Paxton walks in. Paxton rushes the guy, slams him to the ground, sits on top of him, and just starts wailing on the dude. Zania uses this distraction to grab the gopher from the computer. But Paxton sees her. She fakes passing out and sticks the waterproof gopher in her mouth. Zania is released from the care center and heads back to her room to check what the gopher has found. She looks at maps and finds a secret tram line that goes from the restaurant area to the waste processing place. The morning after finding this tram, she receives a message on her phone. Her secret employer wants to meet her in person for some reason. Following the attack at the care center, Paxton and Zania was granted a day off, which is weird in my mind that they had this free day off and the same day that her employee wants to meet up with her. But whatever. During this, we find out that Mr. Wells himself is coming to the cloud warehouse where Paxton and Zania are. At this point, they have been working in the cloud for two months and when Zania looks into getting a rental car, she sees that the wait is three months or she can pay a fee that will wipe out her account. So she uses Paxson to get to her rental car. They drive to a nearby town, and I use the word Lucy, as it's pretty much all abandoned, as is normal for towns in this bleak world. It's mentioned here that the highways are in really bad shape and are crumbling, and they don't see a single car while they drive to town. It's also mentioned that the New York City subway is no longer in use either. They break into a bookstore. Once inside, though, Paxton leaves wanting to, for, wanting to get some air. Zania walks around the store for a minute and then hears a floor creak behind her and feels cold metal of a gun on her neck. Paxton outside is cornered by three people. One of them has a gun. They bring him back into the store where he finds Zania on the ground with a gun pointed at her. They find out it's people from the resistance. They go on a rant about how bad cloud is and complain about how you used to be able to be paid for overtime and health and care was including your salary and you only had to work 40 hours. I think I missed their current work schedule, but I, I assume they either work six days a week or every single day. I can't recall and I tried to look through the book again, but I couldn't find it. The resistance wants Paxton to take a USB drive back to cloud where once the drive is plugged in, Paxton would need to answer some prompts to execute a program. Paxton agrees, and the resistance keeps Ania as a hostage. Paxton leaves the bookstore, and thanks to ingrained sexism, they only leave one guard on Zania. As the guard was moving Zania into a back room, Zania took advantage of the fact that the guard only had a gun, and since they were close range, the guard wouldn't be able to use it. The front door chimes, distracting the guard, so Zania uses that to disarm her guard. She grabbed the gun. Throws her elbow into the guard's face, making the guard drop the gun. Zinia takes the gun and backs up far enough to give her the advantage with the gun and points it at the guard. They have a little back and forth. Basically, Zinia like 
talks to her enough to where she allows her just to walk out of the bookstore for the most part. So Zania leaves the bookstore and finds Paxton with two guards on him, one with a rifle who's at the back of the group. So Zania puts her gun into the back of the rifle man and tells him to toss the rifle to Paxton. He does, and then Zania shoots into the air and tells him to run, which they do. Paxton heads to the car. Zania heads back into the store under the lie of getting her books, but really she's hoping to check her text to see about her contact. But before she can pull the phone from her pocket, a man voice tells her not to turn around. He informs her to stay on the current task, but a new job has been added. Kill Wells when he comes to the warehouse, and you'll get paid double. She heads back to the car, where Paxton realizes he still has a thumb drive. They head back to Cloud and go back to work. Seeds of doubt have been planted in Paxton's head, though, and he tries to order some books that the resistance said Cloud was purposely not letting people order or take forever to ship. But he found that they just... There just wasn't a lot of orders for it in the first place. The books are Fahrenheit 451 and The Handmaid's Tale. He looks into Fahrenheit 451 and sees only two copies are available. For reference, the day I wrote this script, there are 308 copies available right now on Amazon, and that's just the third-party ones. He checks The Handmaid's Tale next, no copies at all. There's 323 copies available right now on Amazon. Paxton then looks into the search history and order history of these books and finds only a handful. So he chalks it up to supply and demand and is now thinking the resistance doesn't know what they think they know and those seeds of doubts are dying. As the date of Wells' arrival comes up, the tech team comes back and lets them now know that the function of the watches where it's coded to the person has been broken for a while. Paxton lets that little bit of information slip in front of Zania. After referencing the Black Friday accident a dozen times, we finally get the explanation. Basically, a store had guns as part of their doorbuster sale, and a good amount of people died from those guns. Wells decided that Cloud would not sell guns anymore after that. Production of guns went from $20 million a year to less than 100000 and Cloud holds a ceremony in each warehouse to remember the ones killed that day every year. Now that Zania knows that the watches do not need to be worn by the actual owner, just needs a warm body, she has a plan to get to the secret tramp. First, though, she goes to the on-site gym, steals a 10-pound rubber plate, takes the plate, and inserts it into the tram trap. The trams were shut down for the Black Friday ceremony and for Wells' visit. The only one going on the tram would be Wells and his family slash guards. So this is her plan. To kill Wells is to wreck his tramp. Sugar warning for drugs here. Zinnia then goes to the apartment of a girl, the girl who was harassed by the manager in the showers. She hasn't been doing well since. The girl, again, she's a brown shirt, so her wash will work on more doors than Zania's would. Zania convinces the girl that she needs to call off work and take the oblivion drug that Zania still had from when the care tram driver gave her some to deal with her pain so that the girl could get some mindless sleep. So Zania gives her a good amount of the drug, so much so that she worries she kills the girl, but leaves her in the room after checking her pulse and finding a faint pulse. Before leaving, though, Zania takes a shirt, watch, and a hat from the girl's room to pretend she's hurt. I don't think I would be okay with forcing drugs on someone just to steal her shirt. I don't know why she doesn't just steal um, Paxton's one. It gives him drugs because, it, I mean, it would make sense because his watch is already being recorded tracking-wise as being in her room most of the nights because they 
are having relations together. So it would make more sense to drug him and take his stuff. Plus, uh, his watch, I would assume a security would get her into literally every door, whereas I feel the tech person can only get into certain doors. She heads down to the secret Secret tram walks through the kitchen area and finds the door leading to it. A camera in the area might have caught her face. She scanned the girl's watch. The door opens. Inside the doors is a small subway station that smells of bleach and rot. She gets on the tram and hits the go button. She arrives in a freezer room full of boxes of the burgers they serve, which is strange to her because Paxton has told her that everything food-wise comes in through incoming. She thinks maybe there could be cows on side here. I have no idea how she thinks this as she has literally seen the photos of the land and would have seen this on those photos in the area around the campus in straight desert. So how would the cows even be striving in that weather for them to have on-site cows for those burgers? She wanders a bit and finds another door, opens it, and is assaulted by an even worse scent of rot. More like a clogged drain smell if you catch my drift. She throws up twice, then finds oxygen masks hanging on the wall that have the scent of candy canes in them. A side note here, in the rotten ruin that we did last time, they do use mint to cover the smell of the dead smell that they use on themselves. I did a bit of Googling on the subject, so, hey, FBI agent that tracks my searches, I didn't kill anyone, just doing research. And it seems that the methane in the mint overwhelms your nose so much that you just smell mint, even though you're knee-deep in dead bodies, so... The more you know. She spots another door and a woman in a pink shirt walks by her. She has never seen pink before and it's not explained in the introduction video, so she grows a bit suspicious. She wanders around a bit and she finds a man in a lab coat alone in a room. He tells her she isn't allowed to be in there and she freaks out and pins him to the table, demanding to know what they're doing in here. If you're someone with a weak stomach, I'm sorry for this, but the guy tells her they're processing waste here. But she remembers the burgers in the room she just encountered, and then he says the following. They swore to us, okay? They swore to us that you'll never be able to taste it. We extract the protein, bacteria makes protein, and we just pull that out and treat it with ammonia to sterilize it. It gets reconstitutionalized with wheat and soy and beets for coloring. I swear, it's a low-fat protein. Totally clean. He's obviously talking about the clown burgers. They take the waste material from the people living on the campus, do science to it, and make it into the burgers they eat on campus. Yeah, gross, but smart. Good use of resources, I'll give them that. She then demands he tell her where the energy processing is done, is done and heads off to find it. She encounters a woman in a blue shirt in the lobby of the energy place. There is no one else around. Side note, the woman is reading A is for Alibi by Sue Grafton, which I have read and recommend if you're into cozy crime mysteries. Zania tries to talk her way into the offices, but the woman doesn't buy it and calls for help via her watch. Zania flies at the woman, forces her to take more of the oblivion drug she still had on her, and while she passes out, she goes into the offices. Paxton all this time has just been watching Wells walk around and talk to people. But when they start loading into the tram that Zania has sabotaged, he receives a text from her asking him not to get on the tram. A little background on some of the side characters who really never mattered until now. So Mr. Wells is dying, right? He's CEO of the cloud company. He has a partner who is just below him on the ladder 
but has been with Wells since the beginning. His name is Ray Carson. Well, Wells doesn't name him as the person taking over when he dies. Instead, Wells is hanging over his company to his daughter. Wells is already on the tram, as is his daughter and Carson, when Paxton gives a text and yells, wait, to everyone. Carson freaks out, pushing people out of the way to get off the tram, and they all get off the tram. Meanwhile, Zania has broken into a room and has found a huge, like, a huge, it's a huge room with just a box in the middle. And the box is the size of a refrigerator. And the room is extremely cold. Not fully understanding what it was, she took a bunch of pictures. Then leaves the room looking for an exit. At the end of a hallway, she finds six men in black shirts. And they look like men who like to fight. I.e. hitmen, maybe. Or professional beat up people, you know, boxers. Now, I don't want to break anyone's immersion into movies or even books like this, but once you see this issue, you will always notice it, so skip ahead a bit if you don't want action scenes ruined too much for you. Okay, and almost all fight scenes involving a group against one or two people, instead of the whole group fighting at once, they always take turns or rotate away so that there's only ever one-on-one for the most part. I think the worst example of this is the fight between Rey, Kylo, and the Red Guards in The Last Jedi. You can clearly see the actors just going out of the scene for no reason so the next guard can take their turn fighting. Even in the amazing bus fighting scene in Shang-Chi, you can see one of the guys just back out of the frame even though Shang didn't even hit him. And when they're holding him, only one is taking hits on him while the other's just standing there looking looking at him. Anyways, the only reason I bring this up is because when Zania encounters the six men, only one sets up to fight her first. Then, once she has taken him down, only one more goes at her again. It's like, what? Only after she takes out the two guys does the other four come at her at the same time. Like, make it make sense. She holds her own even when the four are attacking her. She takes two more down but then more come in from a door down the hall. And when she looks up at them, someone hits her from behind and she passes out. But seriously, go to Google, I mean YouTube, and look at the fight scene from The Last Jedi. Okay, these people are just going around in circles, not even out of frame, just in frame going around in circles and not hitting someone. They put her in an segregation room and send Paxson in to get information because they think he's in on it with her. Zania doesn't give him much, just tells him about a short story she read called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omalas by Ursula K. Lee Jun. I'm sure I mispronounced that. I'm sorry. Which is a real short story you can read. Where there is a utopia that only exists, though, if they keep one kid in a dark room and the kid is kept in constant state of neglect. Everyone in the utopia knows what's happening to that kid. Yet no one does anything about it because what's one kid when billions are living happily in the utopia? After Paxson leaves the room, Wells takes him aside and tells him about the people who hired Zania, or who he thinks hired her, Red Brick Holdings, who are the last brick and mortar stores. He tells Paxson he now has life status with Cloud. He never has to worry about his star ratings, but he has to walk away from this and not tell anyone. Wells then goes into the room with Zania and talks to her. 
Wells actually is the one who hires Zania, and he uses the red brick holdings as a scapegoat. He wants her to find the energy, basically to more or less test how the security is around it to make sure the actual bad guys couldn't easily find it. The box in the room is called Fusion. Wells asks her who has changed the plans to have him killed. She says ask her handler and ask him what's going to happen to her now. He just winks at her and leaves the room. Wells, since he is the one who hired her, knows who is her handler. So he confronts Carson, remember Ray Carson, the guy below him, who goes off about how it was unfair that Wells' daughter gets to take over the company. They drag him away to be dealt with. A few weeks go by. Wells dies. They announce cloud energy with a cloud fusion. Then Paxton finds out that the cloud has taken the oblivion drug because he found out how they were getting in and messes with its chemical makeup to make sure no one can OD on it and releases it back out into their warehouse. Paxton isn't happy with that, but life goes on. Later on, he is sent to the waste processing place to deliver something and finds the manager who almost killed Zania earlier and freaks out because he was told the guy was getting fired. But yet, here he is working in a different area. The same thing happened earlier in the book. Some random side character did something dumb. Paxton was told it was dealt with. Then Paxton finds him on drone duty in a different department. So at this point, Paxton is over life. He hates Cloud. He has taken oblivion to get away from his feelings. He can't get in contact with Zania. Thinks she's dead. Is shitty about the manager still being there. And in walks the girl from the bookstore who wanted him to mess with the thumb drive. He catches her, takes her to an office, and asks her if she has another thumb drive. But she didn't bring one with her since she would have been caught. Well, Paxton has kept that drive that she gave him at the bookstore and is in fact still carrying it on him that day. He asks her what it does and she says it will fire the thrusters on the cloud satellites slowly enough to not be caught, but enough to eventually get them off course and crash, causing the whole cloud network to crash as well. He hands her the drive and a tablet and she releases the virus. And that's the end. Which is that. So what would be my plan for living in this world? Well, spoiler alert, I did work for Amazon. The actual Amazon for a long time. So I guess I just worked there in this world as well. The outside world sounds shitty. But I was constantly thinking about who was ordering the stuff if the world was so bad. Like, what jobs or things were those people doing to get by and to get by good enough to have money to order the items themselves? So I guess maybe I would look into those jobs, try to figure that out. And then the skills, books, and things that help you prepare for this role is a bit harder for this world. So skills needed to survive, I guess muscle strength to work the warehouse floor, tech skills or degrees for the tech team, science skills or degrees if you're okay taking poop and making burgers out of it, Medical training to do work in the care center. Some law enforcement background to work in security. Books, if you're working for cloud, I would say none. If you wanted to try to live outside, you would need the normal surviving in the wild type books. The area around the cloud they're working at is desert, so focus on that. But they do mention that Miami is now like modern day Venice, and Venice is gone. So if you live near there, think about water surviving needs. Same thing goes for things. Working in the cloud, you just really need money or nothing, I guess, if you can just start making money there. Well, outside depends on where you are. 
Water was very important to the resistance people that they ran into the bookstore. So stockpile water. I really wish we could uh, get to see the results of the virus and find out for sure if Zania was dealt with like the past people were and just put far away but still in the cloud where she was arrested or killed. I really just want to know what happens. But that is it for this episode of Once Upon a Dystopia. Join us next time when we discuss the second book in the Hunger Games series, Catching Fire by Susanna Collins. Thank you for listening and happy reading.